Hello, my name is Andy from the Eurotrips podcast. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin. This podcast episode was recorded on Thursday, but the actual use of the passing happened not long into the start of the episode. I hope you enjoy anyway in what's been a tough week for a lot of Brits who were very close to the Queen and a lot of the general public in total. So sending our best condolences to the whole of the royal family and the whole of the nation. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrips football podcast. We are here for your weekly review and preview for Europe's top leagues. I'm Andy and I'm here with, for now, just Naeem. How are you, mate? Doing well, thank you. It would be better if Arsenal started to win. But... Mm, been an interesting week with both of us, you could say. Um, yeah. Ryan <clears throat> is actually in our doomed call at the moment, but he's just got something happening behind the scenes. So he'll be joining us shortly as he'll be talking to us all about Serie A. So we will head back to you now, straight off the back. We will head to you for La Liga. So all yours. Yeah, so the first game I'll say to look out for um, is on, is Tom, not sorry, not tomorrow. It is on Saturday, quarter past three. Um, it is Espanyol versus Sevilla. The reason being, I'm going to keep putting Sevilla in my games to watch out for until they get their first win in the league. Uh, obviously, they lost last week 3-0 at home to Barcelona. Robert Lewandowski getting on the score sheet once again. His move from Bayern Munich proving to be um, very good so far. So, yeah, I'll say look out for that game, see if Sevilla can actually conjure up a win. Espanyol at the moment, they're like the 15th at the moment. They've won one, drawn one, lost two. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see We'll see if Sevilla can actually win because they're, they're in bad form at the moment. You know, they, they still haven't won a game yet. They've only, they've only scored, what, three goals? Um, yes, and they're not doing too well in Europe, obviously, this week. But... That's the first game I'd say to look out for. Second game, I would say look out for, on the same day, we got Cadiz against Barcelona. So as I mentioned last week, uh, the game to look out for was Cadiz. They lost, I believe it was 3-0. Let me just double check. Um, yes, sorry, yes. They lost on Friday night, last Friday night, 3-0 to Celta Vigo. So, yeah, they still haven't scored a goal yet and they're rock bottom with no win. So, they've got a hard game against Barcelona, who are in really good form. They haven't lost a game yet this season. They've only drawn once. Uh, they're free-flowing in the scoring. As I said, they beat Sevilla 3-0 away from home. So, it's going to probably be a Barcelona win, but you just never know what can happen in La Liga and Cadiz could uh, cause an upset. And then the last game I'd say to look out for will be Real Betis against Villarreal. Last week, as I did mention, Real Madrid did take on Real Betis. It actually ended 2-1 to Real Madrid in the end. That's a narrow, narrow victory there in the end. Villarreal, they're still unbeaten this season. They've only drawn once and won three games, so they're doing quite well at the moment. They currently sit third in the league. They haven't conceded a goal yet. Uh, they scored nine. So, yeah, it'll be good to see whether Villarreal can keep up their winning form. And obviously not conceding, and yeah, we'll see if Robertis can obviously uh, obviously bounce back from their defeat last weekend. That game is on the Sunday at eight o'clock. So yeah, those are the three games to look out for. So I'll just quickly run through the, the top four. So obviously Real Madrid, their top hundred percent record so far. 
Barcelona remain second, 10 points, same as Villarreal on 10 points as well. Real Betis doing doing well so far this season with only that one defeat. They're on nine points. Osasuna, they're doing well as well. They only lost once as well on nine points as well. And in the last European spot is Athletic Club. They're doing better. They started off well this season. Two wins, one draw and one loss. And down at the bottom of the table, obviously, as I mentioned before, was Cadiz. They're rock bottom, no points, no wins, no goal scored, 10 conceded. The Tafe, they got one point. And Elche, they're on one point as well. So Villa also won one point as well, but their goal difference is not as bad as the teams below them. So yeah, not 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 looking good at the moment for Sevilla. Um, in the Champions League, they don't really do too well. They usually drop down to the Europa League. So yeah, it'd be good to see what they can they can do going forward. But it's not looking good for Loktigi. Um, he's not started off well this season. So yeah, he might be on. He might his time might be coming to an end pretty soon. So we'll see. They might they might it, it might be gone before the international break. But yeah, we'll see. So. Yeah, at the moment, Real Madrid doing what they do, just win all their games. So, not too much, really. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend's games. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and actually, it's really interesting, actually, with Spain, looking at the table you just mentioned and sort of doing all this. And I think it's really, actually, I think we've had, in, I think, the last few years, quite a not very sort of wide open title races in Spain. Um, but I think this year, you know, you've got at the moment, albeit it is only four games in, you've got only three points separating fifth and first. You've got a team who've only conceded no goals in, in the league so far. Mm. Do you, I know we are speaking very early on. There's about, I'll say, 34 more games left to play. But do you think there's any chance that this, we are seeing already signs of what could be a really good title race this year? Yeah, like obviously with Real Madrid, you know they're always going to do well. They've got a good squad. Um, Barcelona, I, I think they've done well with the transfer first they've brought in. Obviously, they've got Lewandowski and he's always going to score goals no matter his age. You know, done it in Germany for, for a good part of a decade of Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Um, obviously, Athletic Madrid, they haven't, they've, obviously, there's only five points behind, but I think the title race will probably will be between Real Madrid and Barcelona. They've got the strongest squads in the league. Uh, it's just, Who's going to finish third and fourth? Obviously, with with Sevilla, they're usually that team that obviously gets the fourth Champions League spot. But the way they're going this season, if if they keep if they keep losing and not winning, then that gap's going to be even even bigger. So, I think I think we probably will see a new team creeping into that top top four position. Uh, I did say Villarreal would be the surprise team. They've started off well. We'll see United Emery's uh, been there for uh, two seasons now. Well, it might be his third one now, but. Yeah, I think I think it will be quite open this season. Uh, it just depends on whether teams pick up points from you know the teams that are lower in the table and whether they can pick points off each other. Because obviously the, one of the biggest games so far was obviously Real Madrid and uh, Betis. Obviously Betis only narrowly lost that game. So yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. Um, and yeah, I just hope it'll, it'll be a good title race. I don't really want to see one team running away with it because. You know, that's what's, what's happened in previous years and in obviously other leagues. But yeah, um, so far, so good. Uh, and yeah, we'll see what happens. And do you think as well with what, how well Emery's doing this year, as well as last year, of course, taking Villarreal to the semis of the Champions League, losing mm. in the end and obviously getting no goals so far, being third place. And we saw him midweek, I know I mentioned this later on, but also you saw Zambla Guisa doing really well against Liverpool for Napoli in, in midweek. Do you think this, this shows that 
just because you don't make it to Premier League, it doesn't mean it's the end of you as a manager or player. Do you think sometimes just some leagues aren't suited for certain players and certain managers? Yeah, like obviously, obviously with him, you know, we, when he was at Arsenal, we did start off well that uh, first season. I, I know we fought off near the end of the season. We obviously got to us got us to the Europa League final, and then we were capitulated in that. But yeah, I think certain leagues, um, yeah, it's just sometimes it just doesn't work out for managers because obviously he's been in the, um, the league for pretty much most of his career. Obviously, being with Sevilla, you know, he obviously won uh, three Europa Leagues back to back to back. So. I think, yeah, the Spanish league, he knows it well. Obviously, he's Spanish himself. Um, and, yeah, he, I, I don't know, maybe the step up to Arsenal was a big ask because, you know, the teams he's managed are, you know, they're, they're decent teams, but not not obviously trying to challenge for titles and things like that. So, I think he's got a good fit there. You know, they've, they've got quite a few, like, ex-Premier League players as well, funny enough. So, yeah, I think I think with him, yeah, the Spanish the La Liga just suits him well because he just knows it well. Knows the players, knows knows like obviously the style of play and that, and you can obviously see last season how well we done on a, like a minimal budget as well. Uh, obviously, the season before that, he won in their their first well, first ever trophy uh, in their history. So, yeah, I think I think um, yeah, if he he probably will do well this season. I'm not too sure what they'll do in the champion Champions League this season. Um, wait, but they no, they're not in the Champions League, are they? Are we out? Yeah. Although I don't actually know, I have a, I go on their fixtures now. Yeah, they play. No, they're in the Conference League. They're actually playing oh, the League. They're winning three two to Leicester. <laughs> oh, Conference League. Yeah, he'll yeah he'll do well in that. You know, if he got to the semi final in the Champions League, um, then yeah, the Conference League it won't be too much of a problem. But yeah, I didn't realize I'm three two three two up. Um, so yeah. Well, um, I think he'll do well this season, and I, like I said, I thought it'd be the surprise team. Um, you know, this is his third full season. Got a few good players in there, and yeah, I've, I I I liked him anyway. Like you know, it just didn't work out at Arsenal. Um, but I don't know, maybe he should have got an interpreter for like the first year, maybe or I don't know. But yeah, um, he's he's doing well at the moment, and yeah, long may it continue. I ain't really got too much bad things to say about him. Uh, yeah. Fair play, fair play. So we will now head to our second league, with, which is Serie A in Italy. We are now joined by Ryan. Um, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, yourself. Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. Um, been an interesting week. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about that in the Premier League later on. But to the Serie A, um, take it away. Yeah, I mean, obviously Saturday... We've seen a Super Saturday in Serie A with three massive games on throughout the day. Obviously, starting with Fiorentina at home against Juventus, the Dusan Vlahovic derby. Ended 1-1, actually. Juve couldn't get the win. Uh, Milik did score earlier on in that game, but uh, they did equalise Fiorentina through Christian Kouami. Um, and actually, Luka Jovic missed a penalty in that game, so Fiorentina could have easily got three points from them. Um the, the late game was Lazio against Napoli, obviously. Another massive game between two total protagonists this season. Uh, Napoli came away with all three points. Um, Guevara Tosquilia continuing his fine form. Napoli one of the goals with another new signing in Min Jae Kim also getting another one as well. So good start for the new signings in Naples, but obviously the big game of the Saturday and indeed the entire weekend was the Milan derby. On the Saturday evening, 
in which we saw five goals. Milan coming out 3-2 winners over Inter. It was a really good game for the highlights in which we saw. Obviously, we were in Amsterdam, so we didn't really get to watch some of, you know, most of the game. We caught the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, but that was about it. But obviously, Rafael Leal again showing his worth this season so far. He got a brace with Olivier Giroud showing that he can still score goals even at this stage in his career. Uh, Brozovic and Dzeko did get goals for Inter, and they weren't bad goals either, but ultimately it wasn't enough for Denis Azuri, who have been beaten. And, it, I mean, it leaves the table in a weird kind of dynamic, really, because you wouldn't have seen what the table is now to what it was about a week or so ago, in which you had, you know, Roma at the top with both Milan teams in second and third. And now we've got Atalanta top, who have had a massively strong start to the season when a lot of people, including myself, ripped them off after they lost quite a few players and didn't really strengthen. But they're unbeaten so far out of five games. They've won four, drawn one. Napoli in second with 11 points. Milan in third. Udinese in fourth. Roma in fifth, Torino in sixth, Juve and Inter down there in seventh and eighth, with Lazio in ninth, which is just crazy. And speaking of Udinese, they absolutely battered Jose Mourinho's Roma, who again was seen as you know title challengers at the start of the season, and, and they still are, but they were being 4 0 away to Udinese, a, a result no one saw coming. And it's not like Roma we will. You know, without any of their good players, they pretty much had a had a full team out. You know, Dybala, Abraham, Pellegrini, they all played and they just got outdone by a very good Udinese team who've started the season in fine form. But in terms of other results, you know, there weren't too many more exciting ones. You had Spezia and Bologna who drew 2-2. Bologna, they sacked their manager over the weekend as well. Verona, they got all three points at home to Sam Dorlia. And Monday, we saw three games. Monza, yet again, lost again. Not doing me any favours. Uh, Solana Tana and Empoli had a 2-2 draw. And Torino beat Lecce 1-0 at home. So, leaves the table in all sorts of a mess, really, at the moment. But it's exciting because you can't predict any single game at the moment in Serie A. You know, even the top teams are, are getting beat and they're struggling to beat the so-called smaller teams as well. So, it just shows the strength in depth for all the teams now in Italy and it's it's great to see. Um but yeah obviously in terms of the games uh this weekend we've got some we've got a few more tasty ones to be fair. Inter against Torino will be a good game. Obviously I mentioned Torino are in good form. Um Milan are away to Sampdoria who are not in good form. And on the Sunday Juventus should get three points at home to Salernitana, as should Atalanta at home to Cremonese. Uh, Fiorentina, they're away to Bologna. So the top teams all really, you know, should win realistically. But again, as I mentioned before, you just don't know. And obviously the final game of the weekend is Roma away to Empoli on the Monday night. So it's the usual, usual weekend really in Serie A. Yeah, so actually, I forgot to ask you boys at the start. Um, obviously, you boys spent last weekend in Amsterdam watching Ajax play against FC Campbell. Um, mm. Obviously, 
anyone listening who hasn't seen the video yet on YouTube, do go check it out. Um, as an experience, boys, how would you say that was overall? Well, that's a spoiler for those who haven't watched the video. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's true. Uh, it, it was it was good. I mean, I hadn't. I obviously heard a lot about Amsterdam. Noem's been a few times himself, so I was I was a bit intrigued, but I was really impressed. Not just by Amsterdam, but Eindhoven itself is mm. quite a nice place, and the uh, the stadium Johan Cruyff Arena was was actually really smart easy to get into, loads of stuff around the stadium as well, right next to a train station, like everything you could want out of a big stadium they had there as well. And you know, in terms of accessibility, it's very easy to get into. Um, you know, obviously have escalators and things like that. So just a really nice stadium. People were really friendly. Fans were in good voice considering the opposition they're up against. And obviously I didn't really had to, they didn't really have to play well, like they weren't outstanding, yeah. although they won four 0 Like, and Cambure were just defensively awful. They had chances going forward, and they just couldn't put them away. Really, so it just shows the the quality between the teams at the moment in the Eredivisie. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was a good trip. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, it's good to be back there. Like Ryan said, Eindhoven was nice. It'd be good to go to a game there as well because. We were, uh, the hotel we were staying up wasn't really too far away um, from their stadium and seemed like there's quite a lot of things to do around there as well. But yeah, I, I like Holland and I like Amsterdam. Uh, I can't speak highly of it, but yeah, no, it was good. Um, yeah, it was just obviously they had the Grand Prix on there um, the week there as well. So obviously it was busy with the F1 fans as well when we went into Amsterdam. And yeah, I'll definitely, definitely go back. Want to definitely go back, try and go to a few more games out there. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw in the video, you it looks like an incredible stage. I mean, I wasn't actually expecting to look it to look that good on the vlog. It looked to the actual stadium itself. I thought I was really impressed with sort of how big it was inside and how yeah, how good it looked. And obviously, the nice day probably helped as well. It looked like a really nice oh, yeah. sunny day as well. Yes, again, it's always hard as well for it to come off on camera how. How close you are, obviously, to the pitch. Mm. Obviously, you can zoom in on your camera and whatnot. But um, I think we were we were a bit closer to the pitch than the camera showed. And just yeah, stadium. It's one of it's one of the best stadiums I've been to. Not the best one, but it's it's, it's up there. Really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. definitely. Right. Let's head to the final league. Which, of course, if you're not guessing already, it is the Premier League. Um, of course, some big news coming out this week came in terms of managerial um, news. Thomas Tuchel lost his job just a few days ago and was replaced today uh, by Graham Potter, um, who, of course, he was doing really well at Brighton and moved that surprised me. Um, I don't know what your boys thought of that was. I thought personally it's a bit risky because you know we all know what Chelsea's managerial history is, but I will say that even though Bowley has continued the Abramovich strategy, he didn't actually hire Tuchel. So I think maybe this key could be Bolly might actually not you know not sack Potter after a bad spell like Bramovich would have what do you boys think of that of that hiring? I think it's I think it could turn out to be a good hiring but it's just obviously the jump from obviously Brighton to Chelsea is quite big you know you know at Chelsea got quite a lot of egos will they will they buy into his system because you know he is a good manager and what he's done at Brighton 
Obviously, he was at Swansea and Ostersunds as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. If, you know, they're going to have to back him anyway in January in the summer. Got to give him at least a year, 18 months, I'd say. But I don't know how ruthless um, this Todd Bowley is going to be in terms of managers, because obviously this is the first manager that he's obviously brought in themselves. So, I think I think he'll do well. But I don't, not trophy, trophy well. So, it's going to be interesting to see, really. But... Yeah, I don't like Chelsea anywhere, so I hope he does crap there anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, i got to say that I actually obviously was there this last um, game at Brighton, and I've obviously <laughs> met him a few times now, and he's um, he always strikes me as just a very, very sound guy in, sort of in terms of, I think, the way he plays football. I think everywhere he's been, he's done well. You look at his time in Norway, and then look at his time at Swansea. I'm going back to Bowley as well. I actually did ask on this, actually, yesterday, if you guys want to check it out on Davis Deliberations, but the owner, Todd Bolly, he obviously, his other team is baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was looking up the history of their managers they've had, and the actual manager they got currently has been there mm. since 2016. So oh, wow. I think it's not even, I think if he, if, he, if that's approach could anything, anything to go by in terms of his owning of Chelsea, I do think that could potentially see him sort of break the mould and actually give him time, because as I said before, he didn't he didn't hire Tuchel, Tuchel was there, he got there, Mm. And um, it's a shame, actually, because I did actually predict on my other podcast, the Hair Dry Treatment Podcast, in our predictions episode, he will be the first to get sacked, Tuchel. And if it wasn't for Parker, you know, getting sacked ridiculously after four games, I do think that, you know, I- I'd have been bang on the money. So I'm annoyed in that sense. I didn't <laughs> bang on. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the on the hiring of Potter, Ryan? It's a hard one, isn't it, really? Because I-, I-, I do rate him as a manager very highly. As there's obviously a lot of a lot of other people in football, but I was I was quite shocked he actually chose to go there. I thought he would actually stay at Brighton and wait for another job to come about. Um, doesn't 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 seem to fit in my opinion. Like obviously we don't know what Chelsea's decision makers are going to be like in the future. If it's anything to go by of obviously from what they've just done. Um, it doesn't appear to be a long-term project for for Graham Potter. So I don't know. I mean, I'm as a rival, obviously fan of their club. I'm delighted because Thomas Tuchel is, as we found out on the Euro Trips top ten managers of you know the current uh, decade, is one of the top ten managers in the world. So they've uh, they've got rid of such a good manager and replaced him with someone. We don't really know and do it obviously at the top level. You know, he's done a good job with Brighton and obviously he was was alright at Swansea and Ostersunds as well. But I don't know. It's a, I think it's a gamble. Mm, big jump as well, isn't it? It is. You know, when when you've got, although I don't rate Pochettino much higher, I think you had Pochettino. Whether Zidane was interested or not, I don't think he was. I think Zidane's waiting for France, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they could have probably got someone, someone better, um, but it's just it's all, it's just weird how it's come about. They've spent, mm. you know, a, a ridiculously large amount of money on players that he seemingly wanted, including bringing in Abamyang, who obviously came in for that relationship with him, and um, yeah, he's now <laughs> he 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 could be he could be in trouble because I watched some of that game. And watching him, he was just as bad as his final days at Arsenal. So um, I have no sympathy for, for Chelsea in this matter. 
Nope. <laughs> I will say just from what you said, where he's been, I think they've got probably one of the most exciting managers in world football, in my opinion, in terms of young managers. But mm. obviously, not yet be tested at a top level. And I don't blame him for going in a way because that was his hands to the CV. If he's managed Chelsea and maybe won a trophy or two, that will really enhance his CV, even if he moves mm-hmm. on to Chelsea eventually. So I think, in terms of that, I think he's the best manager. I think Zidane would have been the perfect choice in my eyes, but I think that. He probably was the next best choice, I'd say, behind him. That was actually would realistically go to Chelsea. And I think that, you know, he's only worked with uh, Martin Mark Cucurella. Um, and, you know, he's worked with, you know, I think he'll do well with young players like Mason Mount and Reese James. And I think he'll work well. I think Ben Chilwell as well. And it's interesting, actually, that the manager is going to be Andrew Cross or temporary manager, Andrew Cross and Adam Alana is going to be part of the management, um, going to be a player manager, which is going to be. Not something I expected personally, but with his injury record, it probably is the next step for him because I don't think he's really got much. I hate to say it because I, I absolutely love Lallana, but um, it's the same shame how his injuries affect his end of his career. But I do think that it'd be interesting to see how he does as a manager. And um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the three games I'm going to point out. Um, first of all, game I'm actually, I was meant to be going to, Liverpool against Wolves at Anfield, 3 o'clock on Saturday. This game's look out for because, first of all, you know, Wolves have had the best start to the season, but they feel have a good chance of winning this game against us, who have been in terrible form this year. You know, we beat Newcastle last minute, then we drew to Everton and lost to Napoli midweek, so I think it's really important for us to get back to winning ways. Whether we will, I don't know. Um, Wolves are a very solid side defensively and that'll be a sort of bad matchup and I think they'll know how to stop us like a lot of teams have this year and just, apart from Napoli, most teams that have done well have just sat back and just had that sort of sort of um, low block and sort of compact defence. And I think Wolves very good defensively and a Bruno large. I think it'll be interesting to see whether they'll do the same thing against us. Second game, for obvious reasons, is City Spurs at half five. Um, two teams that you think right now on current form on the table, going for the title. Obviously, City, you know, they drew against Newcastle and Villa in two of the last three games, but they've also, you know, they got a bad recent record against Conte and Spurs. They lost to them twice last year, albeit once was again Nuno. Spurs is a big test for them. They haven't actually played well in recent weeks, and I think if they can get a win here, I think that'll be a big statement. I think City do draw or lose, and I think that will have the other teams licking their lips at potential title challenges, especially Arsenal, who, of course, lost in the, in the weekend. Um, but my third game I want to focus on is Palace Man U. Purely because I think this game could be the best of the weekend just to watch alone. I think Palace, I think, will, will cause them problems. And I think Zaha will be up for it again, like he always seems to be against his former club. And Man U, of course, have been in good form, won their last three games in the Premier League. And... They feel good in every single one. So I think it's interesting to see whether they can keep it up. And I think other games, Arsenal, Everton's a good one, whether Arsenal can get back to winning ways. You know, Bournemouth, Brighton, of course, a game with no actual manager. Both got caretaker managers in charge. But of course, as I said before, it may well be not even going on. There's talk of the postponement of games going on or all sport in the UK for that matter because of the Queen's passing. I think it could be right. I hope. It isn't because I wanna I wanna to go to Anfield as my dad, but if it doesn't, then I think there'll be a rearrange probably for a midweek game whenever that will be. Um but actually one thing I want to focus on a lot actually is what happened last weekend, and I want to get your boys thoughts on this. 
a lot of VAR drama last weekend, a lot of VAR drama. We saw it was Chelsea-West Ham, of course, their last-minute equaliser from West Ham, disgracefully chalked off, in my opinion. Even worse one in my eyes was the Newcastle Palace game. I thought that was a goal, and I think that was a disgrace. That wasn't given. And, of course, there was one with Villa that I didn't actually see, but it was one where Villa could have easily scored, had a goal given at the end. And, of course, the other one, which you boys probably have the most views on, is the one with Manu Arsenal on Sunday. With Manu winning 3-1, but they did score. Arsenal scored the first goal of the game through Martinelli, which really ruined my FPL team because it got ruled out. Um, and, obviously, Udegaard deemed to have fouled. Um, I can't think who was he fouled now. And then, of course, yeah. Brighton Leicester, one of the best goals ever you can see not given. I mean, I, I was there for it, and there was a goal ruled out, um, which was an amazing goal by McAllister, which got a lot of stick as well. But what have your boys' thoughts been on the last week in terms of the VAR that's gone on? That they seriously needed to listen to Arsene Wenger years ago when he criticised them referees. Um, <laughs> my God, and 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 it annoys me when people say that it's it's VAR. It's not. It's not VAR. It's the people operating VAR. Exactly. Like, exactly. Look at look how great it's working in the Champions League with the, with the system that they've put in. Like it works immaculately. It takes seconds to decide. More more on offsides, really. But I, they 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 contradict themselves. Too much. They've all been listening to Tyson Fury too much. One coming up with one thing one day and another thing another day. Because we were told at the start of the season, like Carragher and Neville said this. Obviously, they were just repeating what they were told by the you know referees association that they were going to be more lenient on fouls and they would try and let the flow of the game, you know, go a bit more. And yet that so-called foul on Ericsson, which was never a foul in a million years, it's pulled back all that way from a goal. And as soon as he walked over to it, you knew. I don't think I've ever seen a referee go over to it and keep his original decision. And when 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 you slow things down, obviously everything looks worse in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And you're at Old Trafford, obviously notoriously difficult to get any kind of decisions for any team um, against United. And that Wow, me! Not just the VAR decision. The referee was was extremely poor that whole game. You know, every nothing was going Arsenal's way. And of course, I'm going to say that as an Arsenal fan. But when you look at actually where the majority of the Premier League referees are all from, it's all up north. It's all mm. Man- Manchester area. There's only a couple from down south, more towards you know the Bristol kind of area. But there's there's no London referees or anything like that, which tells me a lot. I mean, the VAR and the referee for that game were both from Greater Manchester. How they allow that to happen, I don't know. And obviously, when we saw uh, the Aston Villa goal that was disallowed for an apparent offside from, from Coutinho, I mean, he's never offside. So how can you disallow that as well? Like, And the same for Newcastle as well. Like, And for a couple of days later, for these people to come out and say, yeah, they got it wrong, you know, and they apologise. What good does that do to these clubs that have potentially lost out on points? Like, that could have been a crucial extra two points for Aston Villa, or that could have been a crucial point or even three points for Arsenal. You don't know how the game would have gone. And, um, you know, it wasn't just this weekend. All, all throughout the start of this season, they have been an utter shambles and... They have it has to change 
very quickly and very radically. Otherwise, it'll just there'll there'll be too many decisions that mount up, and something you know will happen. It's just winding me up at the moment, and I don't really know what else to to add to it. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm gonna put my two cents here. I don't think I mean unless I've actually and aware of the as a rule I've missed or something, but. I thought it looked like a foul to me because I've, I mean, I'll be, I've, I, I see Udegaard, he pushes Ericsson in the back. And I, I think for me, looking, looking at just then as well, I don't know whether I'm just completely missing a rule that I'm unaware of. But for me, unless I'm wrong, if you push someone in the back to win the board, is that is that a foul or, or am I just missing something? Yeah, I mean, Carragher said this, the same thing and so did Roy Keane. Funny enough, Roy Keane said that's someone who often criticizes players for going down too easily. Um, and. For for me, he hasn't. Of course, you know he's not got the ball, but for me, he Odegaard has just shown his strength there. And how often do we see those kinds of um, challenges made throughout the course of a ninety-minute match? You see it all the time. And for me, again, he's just used his his body strength, and he's he's got uh, Ericsson out of the way. You know, some will call it a foul, and some will say it's extremely soft, but it should never have warranted the referee going back and changing the decision for that it wasn't a clear and obvious error in my opinion by the referee and that's what var was meant to be for so again totally contradicting themselves with everything that they say yeah and i will go on to you back in you know, naive in a minute but i want to get obviously i was in the press box of brighton leicester and when that when that was going on for that McAllister goal that was ruled out obviously i never realized this happened before but yeah we have we had a little screen to where we were and we could see the offside rule before the referee even went to the monitor. So we could see on our screen, we saw the VAR thing going on and we saw that it got ruled offside, but no one in the stadium knew. The referee hadn't even made made decision yet. So, and obviously the fans could see it on their screen, and I, but before the referee even could. So it just makes you think that that's probably why every time referees do go to a thing, it means there's a decision because we could see it was offside before the referee did. So I, I think... I think that needs to change as well because it can't be the fact that certain fans were seeing it before the referee. And I think that needs to change for me because you can't keep having the referee being the last person to know apart from the fans. And the, the fans need to know as well because they can't. the fans were completely unaware apart from the ones that were near me. The ones who were behind the goal, the ones that were even in the front row of the sort of stand I was in, they, 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 they had no idea until the referee made that decision. And no one was talking to the fans. This, this has been an issue the whole time. Really. No one's been talking to fans. And, of course, what Ryan mentioned, the Manchester thing. I can't think the referee is now, but remember Spurs, Man City last year when Kay scored the winner, one of them was the fourth official. And you could see him actually physically distraught when Kane scored the winner in the last minute. So I think, and it explains why City had a bad thing against them, a bad, bad mistake from Edison not be given against them because um, they deemed it a foul against Edison, whereas, in fact, Carrius didn't get that against Madrid. So I think there's definitely something about Manchester. There really is. I think there's definitely needs to be something more done, not just who you support. I think there needs to be a thing about where you're from and your, and your local postcode because I think you can't have someone from Manchester refereeing a manual Man City game. It's, it's not on. And I think they need to really up that and change that, but I don't think they will. Um, Nay, what are your, what are your thoughts been on, particularly the ones we haven't mentioned yet, like the West Ham Chelsea one, like the Palace Newcastle one? Um, I didn't actually see the Palace Newcastle one, but obviously I've seen I've seen the West Ham one a few times. Yeah, I think Mendy, you know, he's just play acting really. Um, he knows he's messed up. Um, obviously trying to get the ball, and obviously he's 
played up, played up, played played up to the referee. So there's no foul in there. That goal should have stood. Obviously, West Ham, you know, they could have gotten a point out of that game. Now they've come out of it with no no points at all. So, yes, yeah, I think it's to happen with these these refs need to be more accountable. Like because what Ryan was saying as well, like. They come out afterwards and say, "Oh yeah, we got it wrong." But what's that going to do? Like you're coming up, just, you're coming out saying you've messed up, sort of thing. I think after games, refs they should be interviewed as well. You know, certain decisions and that. But that won't happen because referees are too protected. And you know, we're going to keep talking about this until something actually changes. But you know, all all what really happens is if they make a bad decision, they'll get I don't know demoted for a week or two, and then they're just back to. Back to either referee and all, you know, in, in the VAR room. So, yeah, there's nothing ever wrong with VAR because obviously we've seen it work perfectly fine in the other European leagues. It's just, yeah, the refs here just ain't that good. And yeah, I know, obviously, I'm, we've never been referees ourselves. We don't know how hard it is, but yeah, they're, they're paid decent money in the Premier League and they, they keep fucking up each week. So, yeah, something needs to change, but will it? It's, yeah, I, I can't see it happening anytime soon. But it's going to be keep talking every week. It's going to happen another bad decision, and yeah, teams are just going to lose out on points and and things like that. So yeah, so some of these decisions last week and they were just terrible. To be fair, so yeah, we'll see. Obviously, um, the, obviously in the Leeds Brentford game as well. Obviously, Jesse March he got a red card for. Obviously, he was having a right go at um the fourth official, but you can see why, you know. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But like I said, nothing much will happen. Yeah, and for me, it's causing more talking points than we ever got before VR in my eyes. And also, obviously, everyone's always, everyone who's sort of anti-football always come up with the argument, oh, they're so horrible to the referee, you don't get that in rugby. But in football, they're making all these bad decisions. What do you expect? You can't just say, okay, well, that happened. Like, you can see why these players give referees dogs abuse because they're, they're making, especially since Webb and Klatsburg left the Premier League, the referees of, in the Premier League have been terrible. And I don't think... There's, I don't think there's any coincidence that Premier League has the most abuse for referee in terms of in in Europe. You could argue maybe apart from a few uh, certain countries, but there's a, you can see why the players are horrible to referee because they're making such awful decisions every week. And it's just, uh, yeah, I just think personally it just needs to change massively. But I don't think it will. And I, I do think one day referees' ways going are going to be obsolete. I think they'll have just technology, and that's it. And mm. I think it's that's the way it's going to go. But but, yeah, hopefully it does change, but I don't see it. But that has been the end of our podcast, so do check check out our other podcasts we do and keep an eye out for future episodes. And, yeah, we will see you guys next week.